Awesome, awesome. Thank you. Well, as Dr. Tennyson said, my name is Stephen Jellison. I am pioneering Chi Alpha at the University of Wisconsin, Eau Claire, uh, this fall. Yeah, thanks. Um, Eau Claire is like an hour and a half into Wisconsin, so it's really close to here. Uh, we love it. We've been living there for about a year, um, or close to a year now, and we love it. Uh, but before I get started with anything and talk about Chi Alpha anymore, get into the message, I just want to say thank you uh, to North Central. Um, I'm really thankful to be here, really grateful to be here, feel honored, thankful uh, to you guys for showing up to chapel. Um, I know you don't always want to, especially after spring break. Um, thank you to Josh. I know he's not here, but thank you. And thank you to Lindsay for helping coordinate everything. Uh, this has been awesome. Um, my family, myself, my wife, her family, we all love North Central. Uh, there's a long line of her family that's gone here. I'm from Texas, so I didn't go here. Yeah, yeah. But uh, there's a long line of us that just love North Central, and we're grateful the, for the impact North Central has. So thank you so much. Uh, for what you're doing here and for deciding to go here and listening to the call of God in your life. Would you take a moment and just imagine with me what the world would look like, what your life would look like if your high school teachers um, or, the high sc- uh, or even your middle school, elementary school teachers not only had a relationship with Jesus, but they were equipped and knew how to disciple students. The students in their class, they knew what it meant to disciple them, what it meant to love them. If, if social workers and mental health workers not only knew, like had their curriculum, they had passed their tests to get and to be a social worker, to be a mental health worker, and they were really good at their job, but they also knew Jesus. And they knew how to bring the Holy Spirit into their workplace, and they knew how to bring lasting healing. What if businessmen and women went into their meetings, they went into their workplace, not with an agenda to make more money, but with an agenda to see people come to know Jesus. They came in with the light of Jesus in their life and with a motive and a desire for people to know him. And I think, I think that's what North Central is doing. I think North Central produces these kind of workers, but what if it didn't just stop at North Central, it didn't just stop at schools, uh, at, at AG colleges or, or Christian colleges, but what if it moved onto our state universities? What if our state universities were producing just as much students that love Jesus, and just as much students that are going to go into the world and be marketplace missionaries, just like schools like North Central are doing? What if thousands that go to college every fall, every spring, went to get a degree, intending to get a degree, but they met Jesus? And they decided to live on mission for him for the rest of their lives. This is our dream with Chi Alpha just to send missionaries into all the world to make disciples of every nation. No matter what their job title is, whether they're like VP of marketing or if they're a janitor or a teacher or whatever that might be, we want them, their number one job to be disciple making. And we want to send students that do that. I believe that God wants to use the university to change the world, including North Central. And I believe that God wants to use you to change the world. The need is really, really great on the college campus. At Eau Claire alone, where we're pioneering, there's 10,000 students, and less than 300 of those students are actively engaged in a faith community. Some simple math means that, that, means that 9,700 students likely don't know Jesus, or if they have met Jesus, they aren't really living for him anymore, they're not actively engaged, and likely, if they died today, 
they would not spend eternity with Jesus. And that's not to bring like a depressing mood, but to show that the need is great at the college campus. We mentioned that there's 300 campuses that there's Chi Alpha's on, but there's almost 3,000 universities in our country. There's a whole lot that we still need to reach. There's a whole lot that we still need to go to. And we believe that uh, the video said that uh, the university is the most strategic market, uh, ministry field in the world. And what we mean by that is not that it's like more important than going overseas missions. We love overseas missions. We encourage all of our students that go through Kyle to pray about being overseas missionaries. But every single country in the world, every single um, like dialect, country, culture comes to our universities. There's people that we would never meet that all we have to do is drive five minutes to our local university and we get to meet tons of people. We have students from Thailand and, and Asia and Africa and Europe that are all coming to our universities and we have an opportunity to send them back, not as missionaries that we have to support raise for or anything like that, but people who are going to be marketplace missionaries in their country. There's stories of families who have been saved from other countries because their, student got, their, their child got saved in Chi Alpha and went back home and lived their life passionately for Jesus. And as a result, their entire family came to know Jesus. I'm here to ask you this morning if you would pray about joining us on the university mission field. Would you pray about Eau Claire? Would you pray about just the university in general, about Chi Alpha? And would you pray for us? Would you consider joining me or joining one of our other Chi Alpha missionaries on campus in prayer walking and see what God shows you? See what God is doing on the campuses. He's already moving. And I believe we have a QR code uh, that we might be able to throw up. Yeah. So if you're interested in Chi Alpha, if you're interested in just getting to know what we're doing, if you would scan that, uh, it's just a little quick form that you can fill out. I really love the dinosaur. That's Google Forms for you. Um, but you can just fill that out quick, and I would love to connect with you. And as you fill that out, um, I'm just going to tell you a few things about myself. I went to Sagu, which is, uh, I heard it described as the North Central of the South once. Um, and uh, I loved it there. It was a great time. Uh, I'm the campus director of UW Eau Claire Chi Alpha. Uh, I've been there since August, so fairly new to it, but I've been loving that. And I've been married to my wife, Lexi, who's here this morning. Um, over a year and eight months, I did the counting uh, before I came up here. Um, but one of the things that her and I have found we like to do, um, every once in a while, we're not like obsessed with it, but we've done it probably four or five times since we've been married, is we go to Sam's Club um, or when we lived in a town that had a Costco. We went to Costco because it's a little bit better than Sam's Club. Um, amen, yeah. Uh, and we would get a rotisserie chicken because it's really cheap and you can do a lot of things with a rotisserie chicken. And so we were on the way to the store once uh, just a couple months ago and I was driving and she was sitting in the passenger seat and we were talking and we were planning on getting a rotisserie chicken. And we, we, when we get a rotisserie chicken, we try to like use it for a lot of different things because there's only two of us and we don't eat the whole chicken in one sitting, so we use it for two or three different meals throughout the week. And we were doing this, and uh, I'm sitting there, and I'm driving, and I come up with this amazing idea. 
we can use this rotisserie chicken for chicken soup. And I say that, and I tell my wife, and I, I look at Lexi, and I say, oh, hey, we can make chicken soup with this. And she looks at me, and she says, are you kidding me? And I'm like, what? I thought it was a great idea. I expected her to be like, yeah, that's awesome. And what I didn't realize is that I was so in my own world, and I was driving and just thinking about driving. I was thinking about uh, all the different things we could do, and I was kind of in my own world. And I did this thing um, that I really need to work on, and I've done a few times where I just say, yeah, 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 as she's talking, um, and I'm not necessarily really listening. And what I learned is that like 30 seconds before that, she had just talked about how we could make chicken soup. And I had said, yeah. And so I had just completely been with her, and I had been listening, but I wasn't really listening. And what I learned, and what I wonder is just how often we do that, not just with our friends and with our family but, and, and with our spouses, but how often we do that with God. Where we're near him, we're right next to him, we're listening, we're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're not actually listening to what he's saying. We're not actually with him. And the scripture we're going to read this morning, is, it's likely a familiar one. you probably heard sermons on it before. Um, but it deals with this idea of us being with God, but not really being with him, not really knowing him, not spending time with him. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. And this takes place in a part in the Bible uh, that some would refer to as the journey narrative or the travel narrative. It's a part where Jesus and his disciples are heading to Jerusalem, and it's quite literally a journey, but it's also kind of meant to reflect what a journey with Jesus looks like. And sometimes in our journey with Jesus, we get in a spot where we're saying, yeah, 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 but we're not really listening, or we're not really with Jesus. And I, I, I believe this story shows what we're meant to do in that. So let's look at Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. It says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Verse 41, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Our first point for this morning is we often get distracted by the things that have to be done. I think a lot of times when we read this, we kind of like dog on Martha a little bit and act like she's like this horrible person or that she's below us or like, oh, well, if Jesus was right there, like I would have obviously been like Mary and not like Martha. But I really think I know for sure that I can, but I think most of us can relate to Mary. All right. Sorry, Martha. I think most of us can really relate to her. And one way that I thought of this is, have you ever been doing a group project and you're, you feel like you're the only one doing any work? Or maybe you're the person who wasn't doing any work? Um, but no, you're probably sitting there and you're like, oh my gosh, like this is so frustrating. I should get 100. This person should get a zero. And my professor should just see this. Or maybe you've had like an internship where that's happened and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm doing all the work while this guy's just hanging out with everybody. Um, 
or maybe you've been at work and one of your coworkers just slacks off all day while you're doing all the work and you're like, oh my gosh, why don't they just fire this guy? And I think Martha was in a similar situation. She's doing all the work. And one of the things that I really want to point out is in verse 40, it says she was doing the preparations that had to be made. It doesn't say like, oh, she was just doing busy work or she was doing something that wasn't important. It was important stuff. It was stuff that needed to be done. Maybe like the dishes or like your homework. You know, whatever it might be, she was doing stuff that was important. But the issue wasn't that she was frustrated with Mary. The issue was that she was distracted from Jesus. She was around him, but she wasn't with him. You see, everything she was doing was right. She was doing everything that she was supposed to be doing. But it says that she was distracted by the preparations that had to be made. The things that we need to do often, not unlike your homework or your chores or cleaning or an internship that you might have or the roles that you serve in church, can sometimes distract us from Jesus. These are all good things that should be done. You should for sure do your homework. You should for sure serve at church. You should for sure go to work and 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 do an internship and do your cleaning and your chores that you have to do, wash your dishes before your roommate has to ask you to. And these are all good things that should be done, but we need to be careful to not allow these good things to become distractions. Because when we're distracted from Jesus, we stop doing his will. And sometimes we actually work against his will. I mentioned earlier that I went to Sagu. And Sagu is very similar to North Central. Um, it's maybe a little more country than North Central. Uh, I'm not country, but it's kind of in the country. Um, but when I was at Sagu, I remember being busy all the time. And I had a youth pastor tell me once that every aspect, like every walk of your life from now on, you're just going to be like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be more busy. I wish I was as busy as I was in college, because then, like, I had so much free time. And that's how it felt when I was in college. I was like, oh my gosh, I have no free time. But I was around Jesus all the time. I was interning at churches. I went to chapel almost every day. I had class, and I was a Bible and theology major, so I was constantly learning about Jesus. And every day, I just talked about this Jesus guy, and I was with him all the time, or it felt like I was with him all the time. But one of the things that I realized while I was at Sagu was that I kind of stopped actually spending time with Jesus on my own because I was with Jesus so often. I was in chapel. I was hearing a message. I was praying in chapel. I was maybe even praying at the altar sometimes, but I wasn't really spending that much time with Jesus. I wasn't building a relationship with him. And as a result, that led to some of the biggest mistakes and biggest sins that I've had in my life because I wasn't developing who I was. I was just spending time listening and doing the right things, but I wasn't with Jesus. I wasn't listening to him. I was just, yeah, yeah, yeahing him. And sometimes on our journey with Jesus, we get distracted. And it's, it's okay to get distracted, but what we need to do is recognize that we're in a distraction or that we're in a spot where we're being distracted and we need to do something about that. And that leads to our second point, and that's we need to intentionally choose to sit with Jesus. And sometimes that's at the expense of things that need to be done. 
God isn't as concerned with our task, even our task for him, as he is with us knowing him. Verse 41 and 42 say, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. Notice it doesn't say like we or I am worried and upset about many things. He says you are. Verse 42, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. I think there's a few things I like to point out. One, Jesus isn't the one who's worried in this situation. It's Martha. And oftentimes that's how we are. It's like, well, God, if I don't, I mean, even, even getting ready for this, it's like, God, if I don't prep this sermon, it's like, well, what's going to happen? I mean, obviously I need to, and I need to do things like that. But God, if I, if I don't know exactly what to do, or God, if I don't, if I don't finish my homework exactly on time, or if I have to stay up a little bit later, or God, if I have to get up a little bit earlier, I'm going to be so tired. But what, is that, what does that matter? We are the one that's worried. God isn't worried about that. And then he says only one, only one thing is needed, and that is to know Jesus. And then the final thing is Mary has chosen Mary made a choice. It wasn't like Mary didn't just stumble into the room with Jesus. She chose to sit at his feet. God cares much more about who you are than what you do for him. God cares significantly more about who you are than what you do for him. And who you are is developed in time with him. Your character is developed in time with him, or your character is even developed in lack of time with him. It's either developed in a positive way or a negative way. And the only thing in this life that matters is that you know Jesus. And all of your work will flow out of that. John 15, 5 makes that really, really clear. He says, I am divine. You are the branches. Whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. Because without me, you can do nothing. You see, a lot of times I think when we're preparing for ministry and we're preparing to do things for God, we sometimes leave time with him out and we think we can just do things out of our own might and our own will. And it's like, well, maybe we can and we can fake it a little bit, but things really fall flat. I've been to a lot of chapel services and I can tell you maybe I remember one or two speakers. But I remember the moments that I had with God that were sometimes ushered in by those speakers who definitely spent time praying and seeking the Lord. But it wasn't because they had this perfect sermon. It was because God met me there. And that only happens when, when us as people in ministry, us as people going into ministry, spend time seeking the Lord and being with him because nothing can happen without God. And sometimes we worry about our work. We worry about things turning out well. And Matthew 6, tells us pretty clearly that when we seek Jesus first, everything else is taken care of. Your work is going to be fine. Your homework is going to be great. You're going to pass. You're going to get through everything. Spend time with Jesus. Scripture is so, so clear that what is most important is knowing God, yet sometimes we still find ways to ignore this. Sometimes we do this so that we can be more, we feel like, oh, well, I'm going to be more influential 
for God, if I spend more time prepping, if I spend more time serving, if I spend more time uh, even, even sometimes doing homework or whatever that might be. But I'll say this, God is far less concerned with our earthly influence than we are. He wants you. He doesn't want your work. It's his will. It's going to be done. God can do his will with or without you. He wants you to be a part of that, but more than anything, he wants to know you. He wants to know you so bad that he would send his son to die for you. Not so that you could be saved, not just so that you could be saved, but so that you could be reconciled to relationship with him. You see, I think sometimes we stop at John 3.16 and then we just like close our Bibles and we're like, all right, it's done. But in reality, there's so much more Bible after John 3.16. And it's because our life doesn't end when we're saved. Our life continues with relationship with, with Jesus. Probably six or seven years ago, I was at an acoustic worship night at my youth group. I, was, I had just graduated high school, um, and I didn't really grow up going to youth group, so this was probably like the third or fourth time I had been to youth group. A friend had invited me towards the end of the year, um, and we just sat outside, and they played worship songs, and it was like really popular songs like Oceans and things like that at the time. Um, and I had no clue any of the words of the song. So I just sat there and I just listened. And I listened to them as they strummed the guitar and played. And, and it was really nice. There's a little breeze. It was really holy. Um, and I just sat there and I listened and I listened. And for the first time in my life, I heard the voice of the Lord. And he spoke to me and it changed my life forever. And at that moment, I decided that I wanted to live for Jesus for the rest of my life. And I had no clue what that meant. I didn't know how to read my Bible. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know anything other than like Christians go to church and they're pretty nice to people. And that was my only experience with what it meant to be a Christian. But I decided that I was going to live for Jesus. And the reason I'm telling you this story is because when we sit and we wait for Jesus, he meets us. And he speaks to us. And just a second, it, he only spoke to me for maybe 10 seconds. But it changed my life forever. And I wouldn't be here right now speaking to you if I hadn't sat and listened to Jesus in that moment. Sometimes we need to just stop. We need to stop doing everything, even if it's everything that's right, even if it's everything you're supposed to be doing, and just be with Jesus. It's the best place for us to be is at his feet. So as I close this morning, maybe you've been like me while, you, while you've been here at North Central and you were distracted by the things that you had to do or being distracted by the things that God is doing on campus or maybe just been with him but not really with him. And you feel a little distant from him. I'm here to tell you that's okay if you're at that spot. No one's going to judge you. No one's going to, like, cast anything on you. But come back. Come back to Jesus. I want to invite you to the altar this morning. Not because the altar is, like, a magical place. It's just some wood up here and then some carpet. It's no different than the carpet. At least I don't think it's any different than the carpet by where you're sitting. Um, But because sometimes when we step out of our comfort zone, we step out of our seat, 
we just automatically, for some reason, allow God to speak to us more. We say, God, I'm willing to listen to you, and we step into a spot where we're willing to listen. And when we're willing to listen, God speaks. So would you join me this morning in just sitting with Jesus? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you love us so much, that you want a relationship with us, that even when we mess up, even when we ignore you, even when we're distracted, that you want to know us more than anything. And you want us to know you. Would you help us, God, just to listen to your voice, to put aside distractions this morning, and for the rest of our lives, God, would we put aside distractions and just be with you? Would this morning, God, would you just speak to us, speak to every single one of us in here, God? Whatever it is that we need to hear, God, maybe we're struggling with something or maybe we just want your voice, we just want to hear your voice, would you speak? Father, we love you and we praise you and ask that you would just speak this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.